life as an adult is an ongoing process of learning to walk, trying things, and knowing that sometimes we're going to fall down, and then we're going to go, huh, what didn't work that time? What could I have done differently? Who is in my sphere of influence that maybe isn't healthy for me? Who do I need to be hanging out with? What do I want to do? If you want to play it safe and have a, an average life, an average existence, then don't take risks. But you've got to try if you want to try and do something profound. Inspiring words from entrepreneur, New York Times best-selling author, and eternal 12-year-old Joel Kahn. He brings the fun formula to your money, your wealth today, and explains how curiosity, risk-taking, and serendipity can revolutionize how you work, which just happens to be the title of his latest book. Plus, Joe and Big Al discuss whether you should quit your high-paying job at age 23 to follow your dreams of being a DJ, whether you should save for retirement or pay off student loan debt, and whether you have to prove to the IRS that money from your 529 education savings plan went to education expenses. And for show and tell, the fellas share what little Joe and little Al did for cash back before they became the self-made men and podcast hosts they are today. Joe Anderson, CFP, and Big Al Clopine, CPA. We have Joel Kahn on the show today. Uh, he's got this um, interesting podcast, too, the Bad Crypto Podcast. Right. If you're interested in Bitcoin, that's just taking a dive. Well, it's, it, it, it went up and it went down. So, um, yeah, he wrote like 10 social media marketing books. He's a blockchain enthusiast. Yeah. So You think blockchain is going to revolutionize the world? I do believe that blockchain is pretty significant, yes. Can you describe what it is? It's a ledger. <laughs> Anything else? It's an electric ledger. <laughs> yeah. yeah, you are correct. You want to elaborate? Expound? No, uh, that's, that's that's all. I, that's all you know. That's <laughs> <laughs> a bunch of accountants in the back room keeping pretty, a ledger. Yeah, pretty much. Except electronically. Pretty much. Well, the fun formula. He wrote that book. That's what well, we're going to talk about. A little we bit later. need to have more fun. I know. It's this is too much. Yeah. So we. <laughs> it's going to be exciting. So how curiosity, risk taking, in serendipity. Have you ever seen that movie, Serendipity? Uh, no, but I have. But Serendipity. So when I went to college at UCSD, for it took me four and a quarter. So I went one extra quarter. And Failure. I, and I think the uh, my most significant learning thing was I learned the word serendipity. I thought that was a great word. Yeah, and I've always tried to live by serendipity. Really? I thought it was... Um I don't even know what it means then. I, I knew you did. Because <laughs> I thought it's like, so it's, it, it like happenstance, right? Isn't well, it? It's yes, like yes, you're in the right yeah. place, right time? Yeah, it's kind of like serendipity is whatever comes your way, you kind of flow that direction. Oh, and it's I, by I, some secret forces. That so are, that's why I'm here with you. You showed up and <laughs> right, yes. serendipitously. It, yes, serendipity. You, you're in a relationship. <laughs> is very serendipitous. It still is. I don't know if that's a... That's that, good or that's bad a, or... That's a word. All right, Nate, we're going to jump in the email bag. Uh, this is courtesy of Advisor Insights or Investopedia, um, our good friends there. Can I say good friends? Um even though I've never met them, they sent me some socks. <laughs> well, that, that's probably your best friend. Um, well, here we go. I have not screened these, so I have no idea what's coming. Okay. Is that okay with you? I'm good with that. All righty. This is the one Andy wants me to read. Yeah, okay. I'm 23 years old and tired of working the corporate American job every day. Yeah, that's a pretty old age to be burned out. <laughs> It only gets worse. <laughs> I, I know. I work in audit 
Oh, well, that I, that tells it all. He works Ma- in audit. Yeah, he's an yeah. auditor. Yeah. I used to um, live with a guy that worked for um, Price Waterhouse yeah. Coopers as in an the auditor. Audit. Yeah. I and then I think every Friday there was like a going away happy hour. <laughs> for somebody. <laughs> so for somebody. <laughs> He's like, it's awesome. It. Yeah. Because everyone quits at least <laughs> once a week. Um, yeah, that's right. a grind, I guess. I work yeah. in on it making about $68,000 a year, but I don't feel a sense of fulfillment from the work that I'm doing. Yeah. I want to pursue my passion of working as a DJ full-time and starting an events company that focuses on weddings and corporate events. I'm planning on leaving my job around May of next year to avoid... Uh, divorce paying back the signing Sign, bonus okay. they gave me. All right. right. And currently, yeah. uh, he's got about $95,000 in cash investment saved and plan to have about one hundred twenty-five dollars by the time I leave next year. I currently live at home rent-free and have no car or student loans because I take my bicycle everywhere. <laughs> I also... I ad-libbed that. Yes, I see. All right. right. I also currently own the majority of the equipment I uh, need to require to start the business. What kind of financial obstacles should I be aware of by taking this leap of faith? It's is it wise to leave my uh, paycheck and pursue pursue my own business? It's a it's a good question. What twenty three years of age and you're burned out? And I actually worked also with a CPA with a DJ firm. with no oh. I'm not a DJ. <laughs> I, I'm not <laughs> I'm not that social. <laughs> I worked. I Ladies and gentlemen, <laughs> we're gonna do the chicken dance. <laughs> Line up. The Macarena, everyone. <laughs> yeah. No, I didn't do that. I But I did. I was an auditor. Surprise, surprise. Right? <laughs> that's what, that's like a, the destiny of a future CPA. Here's so, what. Here's my advice to yep. this young gentleman. Okay, you got some advice? Yeah, he's making 70000 bucks a year. Right. He works for, as an auditor. Yeah. You're probably in the office at 9, and you're leaving the office at 5. You're not doing DJ gigs from 9 to 5. You do DJ gigs at night right? and the weekends. So don't quit your job. Start your DJ business. Work your tail off and do a couple you know, bar mitzvahs, a couple weddings, right? maybe a school dance, and then see if you enjoy it. And see if it works. You're see, living with your parents. See, see if you can make money. Yes, make a couple of bucks. Don't give up the $70,000 or you're crazy. So anyone that talks about like doing a side hustle, do, do the side hustle first. Make sure it works before you say sayonara to your employee. Yeah, employer. He might be awful. Might be. Right. I mean, he's an auditor. How good? I mean, he, <laughs> right. Exactly. He, he'd be like me. You went down the path of auditing, <laughs> and now you want to. <laughs> now you want to be a DJ. Right. Well, yeah. Just pack up, move to Vegas. Maybe you get well, in an encore beach I, club for my next number. But first, I just saw this balance sheet. It was really <laughs> sexy. Oh God. So uh, no, you're 23. You got 70 grand at 23. That's t- that's, that's a ton of dough. Plus, I would say this because I am in the same profession. There's a lot of directions that you go. You don't have to be an auditor your entire career. Right. Five years, save some cash. Yeah. Do the DJ biz on the side. Yes. Right. You know, he should just read this book by Joel Com, New York Times bestselling author that we're going to have on the show here in a couple minutes. Joel Com is badcryptopodcast.com, funformulabook.com, joelcom.com. Lots of ways. And that's C-O-M-M, by the way. 
Pay off student loan debt or save to your 401k? Do you have to prove to the IRS how you spent your 529 plan? Answers to these questions coming up later in the podcast. If you've got a question about your finances, leave us a voicemail at 888-994-6257. That's 888-994-6257. If it's a good one, we'll put you on the show live so Joe and Al can answer it for you in person. Now, if you'd rather just email your question, you can do that too. Send it to info at purefinancial.com. Now, we're joined by entrepreneur, New York Times best-selling author several times over, bad crypto podcast host, brand influencer, futurist, and eternal 12-year-old Joel Kahn, talking today about his new book, The Fun Formula, how curiosity, risk-taking, and serendipity can revolutionize how you work. Joel, welcome. Thanks. We are working right now. We want to have a lot more fun. Yeah, it's it's like, how, how do we have more fun with this job? Because that not that what life's all about, right? Well, I think it's uh, about two things. It's about the people in our lives, and it's about the experiences that we have and that we share. Uh, it's not about money, and it's not about who gets the most toys. You know, you can't take it with you is, is very true. So I think it's about bringing value to the world around us and having a life that's fulfilling personally. So are, what are some practical things folks can do to try to have more fun in their work life and maybe their outside of work life? Well, I think, you know, not being afraid to explore your natural curiosity. You know, when we're kids, we just play, right? We explore and we try things and there's this magical sense of wonder about the world. And then, you know, we get old and jaded. We become adults and responsibilities set in and the harsh realities of the world, of which, by the way, I believe there's way more good in this world than there is bad. We just need to, you know, not tune into the news too much. Otherwise, we uh, we get depressed. But I think uh, being childlike in, you know, some form and staying in touch with that part of us that there is that wonder that we get to explore and try things and take some risks being willing to fail because I think that's where the greatest lessons actually come from is we learn when we figure out how not to do something. Well, I think that's a lot easier said than done, right? If I take a risk, yeah, you know, the best thing in life is right after fear, right? If you conquer some fears and you take a risk and you achieve that. What are some practical ways, I guess, some of our listeners can break through some of that fear or, you know, try to have more fun or take that risk? Because as you probably well know, everyone says they want to take a risk, but most people don't. Yeah, well, but nobody ever accomplishes anything really great without taking a risk. Absolutely if you look agree at with anybody you. who's ever done anything, you know, profound in their lifetime, the people we look up to, the heroes, you know, and I'm not talking about moms and dads and teachers. Those are, you know, those are heroes as well. But, but you know, uh, people who don't take a risk, you know, hey, if you want to play it safe and have a, an average life, an uh, average existence, then uh, then don't take risks. But you've got to try if you want to try and do something profound. And, and I think it begins, you know, having more fun begins with taking that risk and saying, you know, I don't know what's going to happen and I can't control the outcome, but I'm going to feel alive. And whatever happens, come hell or high water, I'm going to learn, I'm going to experience. Uh, there's people that are going to go on this journey with me. And I think it's that moment. It's the carpe diem, right? Seize the day. Because we don't know how long we have. None of us do. And, you know, we all know people that have left this their, their earth suits and this planet prematurely. 
earlier than we think you know anybody should go and uh, we got people that are planning for the next few decades and when I 30 years from now and I leave this job that I really don't like but I'm being responsible I'm gonna do fill in the blank and the most tragic thing is when that blank never gets filled in so why wait for tomorrow when we have today yeah, and I think, I mean, we all know people that, that sit there at, at work and they have calendars and they count the days that they can retire. And sometimes some government employees, it's not days, it's months or years or even yeah. decades. And it's like, I think that's what you're saying. You're, you're saying if that's your existence, there's a little bit more to life than that. Well, you're missing out on the here and now. You're missing out on the experiences you could have now. You, you're missing out on the opportunity to fall on your face and learn from it. And that's what we do so well as children, you know, as long as uh, we're not stymied by parents or teachers or, you know, siblings or society, uh, we try things, we experiment, you know, we start by crawling and then we walk. And as we're learning to walk, guess what happens? We fall. Um, and, and life as an adult is an ongoing process of learning to walk, trying things and, and knowing that sometimes we're going to fall down and then we're going to go, huh, what didn't work that time? What could I have done differently? Uh, who is in my sphere of, of influence that maybe isn't healthy for me? Who do I need to be hanging out with? What do I want to do? Is there a specific formula? What is the fun formula? What is the formula that I got to follow to do this? Yeah, well, uh, so first of all, it's not mathematical. It's more philosophical, but there's really three components to it. We addressed two of them. The first is curiosity, um, and that is allowing ourselves to, to let our creativity take hold of our imagination, and we explore. Number two is risk-taking. You have to be willing to put yourself out there, which means you have to be willing to fail, and that's how we learn. Number three is really more faith-based to me. It's about trusting the process. It's some call it serendipity, but I believe that there are right times, right places to take the right steps that move you towards the action that is going to move you forward. And you can't, you really can't put the cart before the horse. I've done that before, you know, and, and you just end up with hoof prints up and down your back. Uh, but when you're patient and you learn to wait for the right timing to, uh, to take that risk in conjunction with that timing, I think that's where the magic happens. I mean, how many of us are doing what we thought we would be doing when we were teenagers or even young adults, right? But life has a way of handing us twists and turns and, oh, you know, I've got a skill for broadcasting and maybe I'll, that could be an avenue for me to channel my talents and abilities and maybe I'll have fun doing that. But it's paying attention to that which is in us and listening to those who know us to say, you know, I think you might really be good at whatever that thing is and being willing to take that risk. You know, I think this is a good listen for, you know, people of all ages. Um, a lot of um, the individuals that, that Al and I work with are transi uh, transitioning into retirement, let's say. Uh, a lot of people that listen to the show are either retired or maybe close to retired or, or looking to save money or, or figure out a way to create wealth. But I, I think the longer that someone can work and in, in generate income, right, the, the more wealthy that potentially they could be. In your definition of wealth could be all sorts of things. Uh, but sure. if they follow your simple formula to say, you know what, I want to continue to work or, or be productive and have a lot of fun doing it and taking the risks of doing the things that I've always wanted to do, I mean, I, I think that's really powerful. 
Uh, someone could get out of the 9-to-5 job that they hated for the last 20 years. They're transitioning. They're 60, and they could do something else, start their own business, or, 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 or do what their passion really lies, but they've always been afraid to, or maybe didn't have a path to go down to, to, or get a kick in the ass and say, you know, you know maybe now is the time to do it. Why don't you, you know, put forth some effort and, and figure it out? Yeah, well, I, and I think now is always the time to do it, wherever you are in life. You know, we've got, there's people reading my book that are high school students, and it's kind of the, oh, the places you'll go mentality, and then, you know, the full spectrum of entrepreneurs or people working jobs, uh, people running their own business, and then, as you're saying, retirees, what do I do now? And so, today is all we have, right? Yesterday's gone, tomorrow is a, is, is a blank check that we may never get to cash, so it's the here and now, and, you know, what I really discovered as I was writing this book is I looked at my successes and my failures, I kind of reverse engineered, and I realized that the successes actually took the least amount of effort. The failures are the ones that sucked more time, energy, and resources from me. And so there's there's something to that about pursuing that which we are naturally passionate um, and being willing to, uh, to go with the flow and take that risk. And I know that's really hard for some people to do that because we were taught, here's how you become a responsible, productive, you know, uh, adult. And but the, that's not the same for everybody. And uh, I've been flying by the seat of my pants now my whole adult life. I'm 54 and I'm not going to change now. Figure if it's if it's not broke, don't fix it. What what made you write the book? And what, what what encouraged you or what made yeah. you take this risk? Uh, it's a really a great question. You know, in, in thinking about what the next book was going to be, I noticed that there is a message that is unfortunately prevalent in society right now and it's this hustle and grind notion that says you know we all agree that hard work is virtuous but somewhere in there some marketer got a hold of it and said that 10 times the hard work must equal 10 times the virtue and that's simply not the case there is something to be said for working smart as opposed to working hard i probably work less what i call what we think of as work than most people I know, because I believe if you can tell the difference between your work and your play, you're probably doing one of them wrong. But if we're doing that, which uh, which um, triggers our curiosity and our creativity, odds are we're going to have fun doing that. Turns out that that might be the best venue for us to be plugged in, where we provide the greatest value based on who we are and what we know. I, I, I was just kind of thinking as you were talking, I, I was I was kind of going back to my youth, and I wanted to be a, a baseball player. <laughs> but that wasn't going to happen. I'm not that good. <laughs> and, and that, that does happen. About right? and, and then, and then uh, I started playing guitar in college. I wanted to follow James Taylor and be a singer-songwriter. <laughs> and I wasn't that good. So, there, I mean, it's there's one thing about pursuing your dreams, but you also have to be realistic. Yeah, I, you know, this notion that you could be whatever you want, I think is all is a lie. You know, you're I'm never going to be Michael Jordan, right? I just I can't jump, I can't shoot even from the free throw line. Doesn't matter how hard I worked, I'm never going to be that person. And so, uh, but I, I do believe we can achieve things that are beyond what we believe we're capable of, right? And and it should be something in line with what we're passionate about it. I mean, you guys seem like you're having fun doing what you're doing. It's Am all a show. It's all a show. <laughs> acting. I'm having fun. I'm miserable, I, I don't Joe. know about you. Absolutely miserable. <laughs> I cannot read. <laughs> i got to read your book. 
Uh, hey, Joe, where can uh, people get the book? Where, where, where can people find you? All the places that uh, quality books are sold, Amazon, Barnes & Noble, Books A Million, you name it. And uh, if they go to funformulabook.com, they can claim a number of free bonuses. And uh, that's that's where they can go. They can also find me online, joelcom.com, or any social media site, at joelcom. And um, I guess I have to ask, too, what you, um, you have a podcast, too, what, the Bad Crypto Podcast? Yeah, yeah, yeah. In fact, we just celebrate our first birthday of the Bad Crypto Podcast yesterday. I'm here in Denver, and my co-host, Travis Wright, who lives in Kansas City, Missouri, flew in, and we actually had people drive and fly in from all over the country to uh, hang out and enjoy food and drinks and celebration with us for our first birthday. And I just love talking blockchain and Bitcoin and crypto in a way that's fun, um, that makes it easy for people to understand instead of being over their heads. Uh, too, that we don't want to be too techie nerdy, just the right amount. Yeah. <laughs> well, it's pretty hard with that uh, with that topic, but you guys do a, a, a wonderful job at that. So um, maybe next time we have you on the show, we can uh, get in the nitty gritty on, on on the blockchain. I would love to. It's always fun. So uh, badcryptopodcast.com. you got to check that out or just check out joelcom.com, joelcom.com. Thank you so much to our guest, Joel Com. You know, following the fun formula is actually how I ended up living in Australia, married for 11 years to a fella I met on the internet. True story. I'm not doing any of those things now, but the fun formula also led to me producing this podcast. So win-win. For a transcript of this interview and links to all of the resources that Joel Com mentioned, check out the show notes at yourmoneyyourwealth.com. Speaking of authors and their books, in the next couple of weeks, we'll be joined by Meb Faber of the Meb Faber Show podcast, author of the forthcoming book, The Best Investment Writing, Volume 2, and Mark Levinson, author of The Economist Guide to Financial Markets, now in its seventh edition. Don't bother setting reminders or anything like that. Just have the episodes downloaded directly to your device by subscribing to the podcast at yourmoneyyourwealth.com. You know, when you look at retirement, Alan, what are what are people redefining? They're, they're looking at retiring earlier. Well, I'm just I, trying to sneak and look at your notes. I, <laughs> looking over my shoulder. Yeah. Well, I'll tell you, Joe, this is uh, bankrate.com. Uh, they, they produced a survey, and I know how much you like surveys because it's based upon how people are feeling at that exact moment. But the survey, the main survey question, they had some other ones, but basically is what, when do you want to retire? What's the ideal age to retire? And it turned out it was different ages depending upon how old you were. But the average or the median of all the people in the survey said Americans think that 61 is the ideal age to stop working. 61. 61 years of age, which coincidentally is my age. Your age. I'm out of here <laughs> after the show. <laughs> I'm done. What do you think? Uh, well, then, but then you look at uh, baby boomers, uh, so which I am. They said the ideal retirement is 64 to 72. So who did they survey when they said the ideal age is 61? All kinds of ages. So oh, it was across the board. Across the board, yeah. So they, all ages, and they're saying, yeah, 61. So, so in other but words, if as you get closer to 61, they're you, saying, no, it's not 61. It's more like 70. Yeah, because I'm not ready. Let's, <laughs> Got it. Let's, let's go a few more years. Sure. But when you're 25, right. 61 you're, seems you're, like you're no imagining, man. I can't work past 50. Right. Right. Yeah, that's exact. And, and when you're in your, um, I would say, 35 to 40, everyone says they want to retire by 50. Right, and then when you're when you're 45, they say 55, and then it's like 10 years, and then by the time you get to 60, maybe it's like five years, but it's always five years. 
61, 66, 62, 67, and so on. But it, it is interesting, um, and that's not the only question they asked. Question, um, what age to start saving for retirement? This is all across the board. What do you think they came up with? It should be 12. You're actually not too far off. <laughs> 22. All right. So that's pretty early. That's right after college. That is. Yeah, right after college. Well, I graduated college at well, a you different were, age. Well, you were later. <laughs> I was a late, 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 late bloomer. <laughs> <laughs> How about the age to buy your first home? Um, I don't know. It depends on where the hell you live. If we live in Southern California, I would say the age to buy your first home in California has got to be 55. Your, yeah, I don't know, late 30s, early 40s? <laughs> anyway, the national average is age 28. 28? I bought my first home at 27. Well, you're an overachiever, Al. And you were a little bit later. <laughs> how about how about the age to open your first credit card? Oh, man, that's probably way too young. <laughs> 17? 18? Well, they said 22, which, I, which, I, which is good because, I mean, if you're opening a credit card at 17 you're, and you're living at home, you have no idea how this works, debt right. works, and all that stuff. Even, I, had a, I had a credit card at 18. Did you? Yes, because I was plowing snow, okay. um, and I was a foreman of this landscaping company, Alan. Okay. And I was in charge of like, I don't know, there was like seven guys, and most of those guys were in their 50s. Really? And I was 17, and I had my gas how, card. And okay. I was, I, was, I was a very responsible how, young man. How did you get that job? Because well, I'm a badass. 17-year-old? No, I'm just a hard worker, and then you got these 50-year-olds that were probably half alcoholics. <laughs> They're mowing lawns for a living. What I mean, it's yeah. not like a, you know, it's not like it's I was like into Harvard. They're, they're looking. Oh, I think this seventeen-year-old's better than that. Well, 50. no, they didn't know it's seventeen. They well, I guess my well, if they looked at the application, but right. I, I was pretty mature for my age, and I probably looked a little bit older. So wait a minute, wait a minute. So you were mature for your age, but you, yet you're still a late bloomer. I was in college because I was working hard labor. Trying to make a buck. Because you paid for your own college. I paid for my own college. All right. Well, that changes everything. Yes. Okay. <laughs> and so I left the good home state of Minnesota. Right. And I went to uh, Florida, University of Florida. Sure. And I took a year of community college to get in-state residency. Right. So I got some credits at Santa Fe Community College. I worked two jobs. Two, okay. I worked as a bartender at Howl at the Moon Saloon. Okay. And there's no uh, shoveling of snow. In Not anymore. I was shoveling snow in Minnesota. Yeah, right. So I think I did that from, I graduated high school at 17, so I did that at, from 18 to 19. Then I moved to Florida 19. I lived in Orlando. Okay. That's when I worked at a country club, a golf country oh, club. no kidding. And then I also was a bartender slash on- bouncer at this piano bar. Really? Yeah. A bouncer? Yeah. I can see that. You're, you're a big guy. Yeah, right. <laughs> if I was a bouncer, yeah. they'd just push me over. <laughs> so, yeah. Then I got my in-state tuition or in-state residency. Yeah, sure. And then from there, then I moved to Gainesville, Florida, and then I went to University of Florida. And I, and I think your your parents decided they weren't going to pay for college. When no, because I left. Away. I yeah. moved to, yeah, because yeah. yeah. I wanted to get the hell out of the cold. Right. Yeah. And so I moved to Florida, and they were like, you know what? You're, you're, you're done. You're, you're out. You're, you're done. Out. <laughs> <laughs> if you would go to University of Minnesota, we'd pay for it. We'd pay for it, yeah, in-state and, tuition. Yes, and yeah. I said, thanks, but no thanks, and packed up my stuff and left. And, and you made it work. You've been, you've been a self-starter ever since. Ever since. Look at that. Yep. Yeah, yeah. from 17 years of age. <laughs> right there, buddy. What were you doing at 15? You must have been doing something 15, I was going to get married. <laughs> I did get married on the pl- playground in sixth grade what, with Beth George's. My, uh, Beth George's. Oh, yeah. yeah. Uh, Justice of the Peace was uh, Jonathan <laughs> yeah. Winters. I don't know. I, no, I was selling t shirts in 15. Yeah, I was, 15? I was yeah, yeah. a sophomore in high school. Yeah. Yep. 
I was okay. selling uh, T-shirts and sweatshirts. Got it. You know? Yeah. I'm trying to think my, when I was 15, actually started 12, I started selling golf balls on a golf course. Of course, uh, they didn't like me doing it, <laughs> and I did get kicked off. <laughs> so my whole business went down. <laughs> yeah, that was I, made, well I was having, business I was plan. having the best day ever. I made $8 <laughs> in like 30 minutes, which for a, a 12-year-old way back then right. was a lot of money. And then they were like, wait a minute, where did you get these balls? And, and I could always tell. The people, as they came up to the, because I was on like hole number eight or something, the people that came up, you could tell the, how they were dressed. Oh, this this guy, this guy these guys are going to go for the, the nice Titleist. And then this guy would come up walking, who didn't have a cart, and he had a, like... Jeans on. Jeans, and he had like like an old safari hat, and, and just, and I thought, okay, he's going to go Top for the flight. 10 for a dollar. Because <laughs> I had some 10 for a dollar, and they were kind of nicked up and stuff. And sure enough, I was usually right. Uh, so you're you're profiling a uh, profile pro- profiling back in uh, the day. Huh? Well, I, I didn't act on it. I just had a hunch that they would probably want a certain type of golf ball. Got it. Got it. I got a few more email questions here, Big Al. Okay. Uh, let's do this one. I am 25 years old and currently putting about six thousand dollars per year into my 401k. Between my wife and I. Any extra income goes uh, goes towards the principal payment of ninety thousand dollars of student loans. Whew. Should I max out my four hundred one k contributions for a certain number of years to boost the size of my four hundred one k while I'm still young, instead of putting it towards the extra principal payments of the student loans, or should I continue to put the extra income towards the student loan principal and keep my four hundred one contributions the way they are? All right, I will I will tackle that, and then you can agree or disagree. Okay. So I, I think the first thing I would want to know is what kind of match the 401k plan has. So if $6,000 per year is going to give you the maximum match, then that's that could be a pretty good amount. In other words, but if you could put a little bit more in and get even more match, because when you do a match, in other words, you put in a dollar or you put in a couple dollars and then the employer puts in a dollar, something like that. So you always want to contribute, in my opinion, to your 401k enough to get the match. Now, the, the question, though, is should then I put more into the 401k or should I pay off the student debt? So I, 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 I guess me personally, I, I don't necessarily like to make black and white decisions. I kind of like to look at this holistically. I would say in general, uh, I, I, would, I would favor that argument. In other words, I would go up to the match, and then I'd probably use the rest of the payments to pay off principal on the student loan. But I think I'd want to look at this in a bigger picture and, and before I, <laughs> I actually said that definitively. Well, I think I love where this guy's head's at. Because it's looking at, all right, you know, the, 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 there's something to be said about starting saving early. Sure. Right? There's no question. And if you can save a lot of money at 25 years old, um, you know, that's going to go a very long way um, for his retirement. Yeah. And so at 25, most people aren't thinking about maxing out their 401k plan. Especially if they have this looming ninety thousand dollars of debt over their head, right? Right, and so I can see while he's juggling, he's like, "All right, well, what the hell do I do here? Do I, you know, save into my four hundred one k plan, or should I just keep chipping away at this debt?" Well, I, I think one of the things we're missing here is this human capital, right? So ninety thousand dollars of debt. What occupation is he in? Right. Is there um, room for a lot of growth? Is there a, a potentially high income? Um, within the occupation that him and his wife is in, 
Um, then I would look at, I don't know, man, if I was that, I would max out the 401k, continue to pay there. And then as my income increased, I would take that increase in income and then chop off the, the 90000 bucks. Yeah. So I would probably, I'd probably do the opposite. But, but I, I would probably go to the match, pay, use the rest to pay off the student debt. But then as I got raises or bonuses, maybe I, I, might, I might apply some of that to each so that, I, so, that, so that I'm making progress on either one. Right, but then, yeah. So it, I, I guess it's there's there's a ton of ways to slice this. Thing. Yeah, there is. I, either one is good. Uh, there's, but there's th- then I guess I, I have to take a look at you know if, if I want to. I'm next to a CPA, so he's probably. I, I'm surprised you haven't asked. Well, what's the interest rate <laughs> on the student loan? Well, I'm, I'm assuming it's probably six percent. Six percent. I don't know. Who so knows? do you? And then you can have the argument. Well, do you want to guarantee six <laughs> percent? I wasn't going. Down All you got to do is pay. I mean, I've heard yeah. that a million times. I know, right, right. right. I, I think the, the 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 point is you want to do both, and and so if you listen to people like Dave Ramsey, I know exactly what he would say. He would say, "Who's he, Dave Ramsey? He's a he's a national talk show host. No. Yeah, yeah, that you know very well." <laughs> <laughs> he would say, get $1,000 into emergency fund first and then pay off all debt before you go back to the 401k, I which totally I, disagree I don't agree with that either. If you're a bit older than 25 and wondering about paying off debt or saving for retirement, our own financial educator, Jason Thomas, CFP, has written a blog post on the topic with the pros and cons of each. You'll find a link to it in the show notes for this episode at yourmoneyyourwealth.com. You know, like Joe, I'm also a Gen Xer, and my first job was also selling t-shirts and sweatshirts, hand-painted ones in my case. But then I started in radio when I was 20, and I've never looked back. So for me, retirement's going to be when I can no longer sit up to this microphone. What about you? What's your ideal age for retirement? Download Big Al's Quick Retirement Calculation Guide and see how much you need to get from here to there. There's a link to it in the show notes as well. Take 10 minutes and find out if you're on track for the rest of your life. Now let's get back to answering those email questions. Send yours to info at purefinancial.com or you can call 888-994-6257. We got an email from Todd and he's a a TV viewer. I watch YMYW. I love it how people are catching up. I know, right? Your money, your wealth. YMYW, your money, your wealth. Every Sunday morning, and it either reinforces my understanding of my investments or I learn something new. So thank you. Boom. Question to Big Al. Awesome. Off the hook. Yes. My daughter will be heading to college in two years, and her 529 plan looks great. How does a five... Did you dress it up? means it has a lot of money in it, I think. (laughs) 529 fund looks pretty good today. <laughs> As opposed to yesterday. <laughs> yesterday, it doesn't look so great. Right. Um, but she also has her tuition waived to Cal State or UC schools. Right. His through, through wife, Calvet. Yeah, Calvet. His wife was a retired military. So thank you very much, wife, for your service. Uh, so tuition might not even be that expensive. So most of her great looking good 529 plan will be used, <laughs> <May not need. laughs> will be used on other expenses. My question is regarding 529 qualified education expenses. Do I need to submit proof receipts to every penny used from the 529 plan for qualified expenses to the IRS? Before you answer that, Alan, a couple of things are going on here. (laughs) Yes. So, um, first of all, let's explain a 529 plan and I think how they work because some of them look pretty great. Right, yeah. His looks really great. Really great. And so I don't know if there's how you get a great one and how you get a not-so-great one. 
Um, but we can start there. 529 plan is a section in the IRS code that allows what? Yeah, it allows uh, an individual to put uh, $15,000 in for uh, uh, anybody that they want to. Usually it's your child or your grandchild, and and it's it's tied to the gift tax limitations, Joe. So $15,000, but you can do you can actually do five years all at one time. Well, isn't the gift tax exclusion a little bit higher than 15? No, it's 15. Is it an 18? No, it's 15. Okay. Trust me. All right. Hey, you're just, the CPA. Just looked it up to make <laughs> yeah. sure I was tight. <laughs> it was 14 last year. Now All right. It's 15. It was 13, 5. It was 12. It was 10. Okay. Yeah, yeah. So, right. so, so, yeah. So, so 15, fi- 15, grand. 15 grand. Feels like it should be more than that. It feels like it. But you can do five years all at one time. And the 529 plan. So, in if the, you want to five, maximize it, you're right. like, all right. So, that's $75,000 per recipient. If you want to just put a nice big lump sum in just to get it growing. And so, the idea is it goes into this plan. Which, by the way, the plans are sponsored by a state, and every state has a different 529 plan. And if you live in California, you don't necessarily have to pick California's plan. You could pick Nevada's plan or Michigan's plan or Florida's plan. It also doesn't matter what state you go to college in, at least with regards to California. Some states, like if you, I, I think Pennsylvania maybe is one of them. If you live in Pennsylvania and you have a Pennsylvania 529 plan, you, you actually get, you get some, some state tax benefits. Exactly. Exactly. So anyway, it's not true in California, which we're, 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 we're at. So in the way that you pick it in California, because there's no particular benefit, is who's got the best investments that you would like to invest in? Because some are lower cost Vanguard type funds and some are more expensive uh, funds that uh, may have a little bit of drag on your on your return. Yeah, but I think now, if I were to take a look at most of the five twenty nine plans, it's you know the the genie's out of the box a little bit. It is. You know There's I mean? been a lot of discussion about it's, fees. It's, it's, yeah. it's, all right. Well, here you can do this one five twenty nine plan and play all these loads and huge fees. I mean, you know, they're all very competitive. Um, there's certain states, sure, that probably have maybe a little bit better fun family. Utah's a pretty good plan. Um, yeah, I used when my kids were younger. I used Nevada. They've got a pretty good plan. Uh, California actually has a decent plan, right? Um, so it really depends on what you're trying to accomplish. But like you said, California doesn't matter. You can pick any state that you want. So if you like Fidelity, if you like Vanguard, if you like American Funds, T. Rowe Price, whatever, you can just look at the state and, and you know, we, yeah, pick we, it from there to make it easy, consolidation, whatever. Yeah, so you get this money into the 529 plan, and then it grows tax-free as long as it's used for qualified education expenses in the future. And that's the million-dollar question. Yeah. What qualifies as a qualified educational expense. Well, that is the million dollar question and 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 we'll get to uh we'll get to Todd's question here in a second, but let's a little bit more background. So first of all, tuition, it counts. So sure. that, and that that's logical. That makes sense. Books. Yeah. Well, we're not even there oh, yet. I'm sorry. Don't get ahead of yourself. Room and board. <laughs> okay. So that counts. So you're living in the dorms and you're on the meal plan. So so that would count. How oh, about if I just have an apartment on the street? Uh, and you're buying your own food, not not necessarily. Okay. Yeah. Um, technology items. So, like, if you need a computer, laptop, internet service, that would be qualifying items. And then books and supplies, as you mentioned, these are all qualifying expenses. And that's. Uh, but there's a bunch that you think might qualify, but actually don't. Like, for example, transportation and travel. Like, if your if your son or daughter goes out of state and they got to fly to the location, the airline tickets are not part of this. So you can't get reimbursed for those. Student loan repayments, that does not qualify either. 
general electronics like cell phones, that would not qualify. Sports and fitness club memberships, even though it might be part of the, what, what's offered at the school. And health insurance does not qualify. Hmm. So anyway, what qualifies essentially is tuition, room and board, technology like computers, and books and supplies. So I take the money out of my 529 plan. So, okay, so the question is, do I need to submit the receipts to the IRS to prove that it's qualified tuition expenses? The answer is no. You absolutely do not have to submit any receipts. It does not get attached to your return, but you need to have the receipts if the IRS audits you. They will ask for it then. But to actually prepare the return and submit the return, there's no submission of, of any receipts required. So you just keep them. You just keep them. So when you're taking distributions, right, you're just, all right, well, here, um, I'm going to have uh, $30,000 taken out of this very good-looking 529 plan. <laughs> right. Very good-looking. Right. And then you, you spend the money as you see fit uh, as a qualified educational expense. And then from there, you just kind of keep your records. And yeah. Make sure that you're fairly tight with it. And then if upon audit, if they're looking at, all right, well, you took this distribution, was it qualified? Right. Um, we would like to have verification of that. Now let's t let's let's take it a, ne a next step further, which is to to make sure that the um, the e expense is going to be qualified when you actually, if you get audited. Uh, it's, it's best to pay the institution directly if you can, because then it's obvious that that money went from the 529 plan to the college. That would be good. Or if you're just withdrawing the funds and putting them in your checkbook, make sure you immediately write those checks. So it's pretty clear that money went for those deductions. You wouldn't necessarily want to say, you know what, I need 30000 this year. I'm going to put it in my checking account, and then over the course of the year, I'll just draw out 30000 That That gets commingled, and the IRS sometimes gets a little nervous about that. So that's if you want to make sure that the deduction sticks on an audit. Sounds like a lot of... A lot of work. A little bit. Yeah. I yeah. would, you know. Yeah. Well, I know what you would do. <laughs> you've got you've got that CPA that does anything. <laughs> God, his name's Big Al Clothine. <laughs> I mean, come on. It's like, hey, you know, if you're not taking the 30 grand and buying, a, you know, a, an Escalade for the kid, <laughs> right? It's like, here, you know, the kid's going to school. I've saved money in this beautiful, gorgeous 529 plan. Yeah. Well, I, I, to be honest, it depends. It depends upon the IRS agent that and, you get. And I also believe, too, and you know what? I've been doing this now 19 years in um, about 11 months. Yes. And how many 529 <laughs> audits have you seen? Zero. Yeah. Actually, me too. <laughs> Zero. So it's and not like this comes up very often. You know what? And I think in my almost 20 years of doing this, I've set up many, many 529 plans. And yeah. And that I'm just trying to think of the last time, you know, with the distribution, if there's any issues with it, it's, um, I haven't. Yeah. Now, now, a couple more things to be aware of. Uh, if, for example, your daughter doesn't need the funds, you can then transfer them to another beneficiary. If you have another kid or even yourself or your spouse or grandkids. So right. That, because that's the 529 plan rules <clears throat> under the new tax reform has changed. Where those 529 plans also will will cover um, um, pre like K through 12. That, that's right. For, it, for like private private, uh, private elementary private schools and a whole bunch of. I mean, the, the the law is widening. Yes. And so, 
I think for those of you that have saved into a 529 plan, it is so rare because most people can't even save for retirement or they don't, I mean, one third of yeah. grown adults don't have a nickel. Yeah, I don't, I don't think we've ever had a client that had too much in their 529 plan. Right. And so congratulations, uh, Todd. Uh, you win the 529 uh, Savings Award for this week. Uh, what you get is probably a copy of um, this recording <laughs> which, in your email box. Which is very valuable. <laughs> so thank you, Todd, for that question. That's it for us, folks. Uh want to thank, of course, our lovely producer, Andy Last. Big Al Qualifying. Wonderful job today. And, and Joe Anderson. Yes, I am. Um, that's me. All right, Nate, we'll, uh, we'll see you guys next week. Have a wonderful week. The uh, show's called Your Money or Wealth. We'll see you again real soon. Special thanks as well to our guest, Joel Kahn. You can get his new book, The Fun Formula, How Curiosity, Risk-Taking, and Serendipity Can Revolutionize How You Work at funformulabook.com. That's funformulabook.com. Subscribe to the podcast at yourmoneyyourwealth.com, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, Overcast, Player FM, iHeartRadio, that weird stage fright Beyonce thing, or whatever app you happen to use for your podcasts. Send your money questions to info at purefinancial.com or call 888-994-6257 and listen next week for more Your Money, Your Wealth presented by Pure Financial Advisors. For your free financial assessment, visit purefinancial.com. Pure Financial Advisors is a registered investment advisor. This show does not intend to provide personalized investment advice through this broadcast and does not represent that the securities or services discussed are suitable for any investor. Investors are advised not to rely on any information contained in the broadcast in the process of making a full and informed investment decision. 